Okay. I think we're really ready to do this. And again, here we are. After about three weeks, we are back in action. Since our last show, there's been a lot going on over here in the Defiance in Motion camp. Um, <clears throat> well, not directly involved with the podcast, but with my band Wilder. If you haven't heard already, uh, you might be living under a rock, or maybe this is your first time hearing anything that I do. But anyways, uh, again, I'm in a band, and we put out our first single. Um, it's on Spotify and Apple Music. It's called Oh No. And uh, if you listen to the last episode, there is a sneak peek, but now it's available everywhere regardless. So just check it out. The song has been doing really well. Um, it's got a couple thousand plays on Spotify already in just about a week. So let's keep the momentum up. Um, because if you're keeping up with the band, then you'll know that there's something else on the way real soon. Can't really say what it is, but I'm sure you can imagine what it is. Today's guest is Cindy Gooden. She's a coach for artists and a consultant for all things pertaining to your music career. She has a proven track record of touring, recording, and doing the whole DIY band thing. Uh, and you can check out her work uh, in the show notes. And uh, like usual, I'll go ahead and play one of her band's songs. Her band was called Very Fresh. And, um, you know, we talk about a lot of really interesting stuff regarding the music industry. And I got to say, a lot of what she's talking about is very in line with why I started the show to begin with. She's all about artists taking full control of their careers and letting them know the power that they truly have. She even took me to school on some stuff and really like showed me um, how to look at my own career differently. And she's got a ton of knowledge. I really think you're going to enjoy the show. If you are an artist, that's my dog. If you are an artist, I really recommend listening to the whole thing because, again, she, she's really going to kind of lay a lot of things out for you and, you know, get you thinking about things in a different way. Like always, go ahead and... Um, Go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and give the uh, give the blah, 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 give our show a subscription if you can if you're feeling generous and just a like or a comment. Uh, it's going to help us out tremendously with the algorithm, and we're going to be pumping these out very uh, very frequently now. Now that we've got some uh, organization going, it's kind of crazy starting up a whole new thing. Um, and I thank you guys for just kind of being along for the ride with it and supporting it thus far. Every episode's gotten a good amount of plays, and we've just seen kind of steady growth going. Like with every week and every episode that comes out, like more people know about the show, and it's just really cool to see this thing growing. So, um, I don't know. Thank you guys so much. But hey, yeah, enough of the formalities. Let's get to the damn thing. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Cool. I'm doing well. I uh, just got some uh, charcuterie for breakfast and mm. got my my coffee and I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, thank you very much for doing this um, and for ha- taking the time to talk to me. Uh, first of all, you're, you're recording, right? You're, yes. Uh, you're already- cool. Yeah. Um, sounds really good on on this end. Are you like? Do you have your mic going into the Zoom and everything? Yep. Dang, you are. Yeah, you're getting my mic audio on the Zoom. Should, you should just take over the podcast and I should just be your guest. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I I know you're, you got a lot going on. Um, I like the, the stories that you post and just shows what you're doing and stuff like that. Um, Thanks. I got to get on that, that grind level. Um, for the people who may be listening and who may not know who you are, uh, could you let them know a little bit about what you do and your kind of your backstory? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Cindy Gooden. Um, when I uh, I am a former uh, recording artist, I guess former in quotations because I, I I maybe kind of still mess around with it every now and again. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, for pretty much all of my 20s, I was um, going pretty hard at a recording career. I had a band um, called Very Fresh. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. And uh, I spent 
about a decade in New York, um, just going as hard as I could with, you know, working on my band, growing my band, um, playing bass for a lot of other bands on the side, just really just totally engrossed in this little corner of the indie rock world up there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I came across a lot of, um, uh, kind of obstacles in my career as a musician, uh, namely money. Uh, that was the big one. And, um, I, you know, kind of found myself at a point, um, as, as I kind of approached my late twenties where, uh, my kind of need for money and like a career that actually paid me, uh, was creating a lot of conflicts with my band, which was starting to pick up some traction and take up a lot more of my time. And, um, I kind of had this struggle, uh, period kind of dealing with that and ultimately decided to go down the, uh, professional career route. Yeah. And, yeah, since then, um, you know, I've spent probably the last four or five years um, kind of making my way through the professional world, uh, deciding that, um, you know, that 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 that's not really the ideal solution either. And so um, for the last year, I've been kind of on this more entrepreneurial journey um, uh, and have arrived at a point now where I am, you know, kind of looking to um uh, help other musicians who are kind of going through similar things that I went through. And mm-hmm. there's uh, no small number of them, as I'm quickly discovering, um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of build a business around around that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, for, for, for your business, do you particularly only talk to musicians or is it more so just anybody who may be seeking some help with like their finances or stuff like that? Well, so I did kind of start out in the financial coaching realm, just like helping other, uh, helping basically other professionals. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I still, I still kind of do that quietly. I still have a few clients from that. Um, and I, and I, I haven't stopped offering those services, but I've deliberately chosen to take it more in a direction where I'm working specifically with, with artists and especially musician. And Very I think cool. my work definitely still encompasses a lot of, you know, personal finance, but it also kind of expands beyond that to the broader experience in the music business. Cool. Yeah, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't sure if you were kind of going from music centric to more financial centric or, or vice versa. But it sounds like you're going more towards music, which is actually really cool. Um, yeah. So could you like you maybe, you know, I'm, I'm pretty curious too. like what was that time like where you were kind of um, going through it? You know, I, it sounds like it might have been a period of just like, what the hell is going on? What do I do? You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, rewinding to like a few years, um, kind of before I hit that point, you know, I was just really, um, like a lot of young aspiring, uh, career musicians. Um, I was just really gung ho and, and dead set on like making that my whole life. Mm. And, um, uh, and I, I was like kind of cool with that for the first few years where, where I was like, you know, fresh out of college. I was really scrappy. I didn't mind, you know, kind of living in these um, kind of uh, janky loft situations oh, <laughs> with a bunch of a, a million roommates and you know, all always, that stuff. Sorry to interrupt. I'm always like I've, I've done similar stuff. I'm just always surprised that I got out of that. OK, and. Nothing ever happened crazy, too crazy. Well, almost died once, but we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I've, I've got a few of those experiences myself. But um, um, yeah, and, and so, um, you know, somewhere in my mid-20s, I kind of realized, well, you know, if I want to do this, like money needs to be a part of the equation. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to I need to like make money and not be like, oh, screw money. Money's stupid. You know, so. Um, that ultimately culminated in me, um, deciding that, you know, the way forward with my band was to just get the most lucrative job that I could and take the money from that job and put it into my band. So I ended up getting a full-time job, um, at a tech startup, 
Um, which was, you know, which, which was great. You know, I, I was gainfully employed and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, making, you know, a a pretty decent amount of, uh, of money from that and definitely enough to kind of fuel the band at the level that it was at. Um, but, uh, when that happened, I kind of found both of my careers growing simultaneously. My career in tech also started to grow as my band started to gain traction. During this time, I was I got signed to a label. I put out a few releases with a PR team, which really just like put the gas on, you know, getting me more exposure and fans and things just kind of started to snowball with the band. And so I was literally in this situation where, you know, I would clock out of work at five o'clock. I, I would, you know, shovel my face full of food and, you know, uh, put on uh, put on my stage clothes and run out to wherever Damn. I had to be at 630 for sound check. And this was like four or five nights a week. And, um, you know, then came this. Uh, then came the touring. You know, I had a st- I had a stipulation in my recording contract where I had to go out for you know a thirty day tour, but my job only offered me two weeks of vacation a year, mm-hmm. and it just it just you know kind of reached this point where it became unsustainable, and I found myself in a situation where you know, maybe like in hindsight, I could have like taken an alternate route who really knows. But like at that time, I felt like I really had to choose between one or the other. And the, the band wasn't paying me, Mm -hmm. um, anything. I was losing money on the band, but the job was, you know, giving me stability. And I was kind of reaching this point where, you know, I liked living in a larger apartment with one roommate instead of five and, you know, um, and, 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 and so, you know, I, I, I chose the job. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm listening, preaching. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because this is a, yeah, this is a long story. No, um, no, it's okay. it's okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I chose the job and I think one of my kind of like flaws as a person, and this is something that I've kind of discovered in the last few years is that I I tend to be a person of extremes. Mm. Um, It's very much like one thing or the other for me. And like, you know, I, I got sick of New York, so I moved to LA. Like that's literally like the, you know, the furthest possible place I could go. Like I, I went to like a tiny high school. So I went to a huge college. Like these are the kinds of decisions I make. I, 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 I went from being a starving artist to, uh, a, a gainfully employed, but really boring professional, you Mm -hmm. know? And so there, there, there was in my mind kind of no middle ground. And I think because of that, because I committed myself so fully to my professional career and kind of like really just like threw art to the side and kind of said like, this can't be my identity anymore. Like I have Mm -hmm. to pursue my professional career fully. It actually kind of led me into this like identity crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah, where, I mean, it was a, it was a full blown identity crisis and it took me years to really kind of sort out the feelings and like, okay, so like, what do I do now? Like I've spent my entire life since I was 12, 13 years old, just like thinking that this dream of like music stardom was going to be my life. And that was all there was going to be to it. And like, aside from that, I had nothing else. So, um, yeah, I had a really difficult few years kind of trying to figure that out. Um, and I, I kind of, um, you know, it it gave me an excuse to kind of throw myself more into my like nine to five career. But, um, you know, I, I was, I, I, and even though I had success there, I was, I was, I was miserable. So, you know, somewhere around maybe like two years ago, I, I really started kind of trying to put the pieces back together and like, um, started to have these little light bulb moments around like, okay, so this kind of idea of extremes, like, isn't really working any for me anymore. Like, how can I find, how can I find some balance here now? Totally. That, that's like eerily similar to a lot of things that I felt and, um, experienced myself, you know, growing up and I'm sure I know you can relate, like kind of just that's it. Like top priority was music. Uh, uh, everything takes us the, you know, the back burner. Um, and you, you have this kind of mentality that like, okay, eventually something's going to happen. Something's as long as I keep doing the work, 
something's going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I think that you hit it on the head. Like, it's not sustainable to have a job and then have to quit the job to go on tour to make zero money to come back broke and then have to find another job, you know? Like, that that's a dance that I've done for a long time myself. And thankfully now I have, I have a job that has let me go on tour for the past couple of years. Not, not, like, big tours. Like, any, uh... No, well, we did like one forty dayer, but like most of it's been like week long things or stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, I really, I really like what you said about the kind of the extremes, right? Like having like you do. There was it was either this or that. It was it was either everything or nothing. Like there was nothing you could there was, for whatever reason. It, why why not just be in the center? You know. And I think for yeah. myself, um, that had to do uh, with with more of a personal thing, right? Like learning how to be just a stable person and see it differently to where you don't have this doesn't have to be your identity this doesn't have to be all or nothing and in fact if you have that view of it if you have a healthier view of it it'll give you more time to think strategically about it and then make targeted decisions which will make things happen you know um yep yeah yeah, creating balance in 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 your life and kind of, you know, taking this approach of you know, treating yourself as like a whole human. <laughs> as like simple as that sounds, it's oh, yeah. uh it it really eludes a lot of people, um especially especially these kind especially like, you know, um really ambitious artists, but um but it's 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 really kind of a universal human experience, but um But yes, like it is, it is kind of a paradox, right? Like creating the space, um, uh, in, in, in your life for kind of these, uh, these other things that can help you feel just kind of more balanced and whole and, and stable is really what it, it, what it does is it kind of takes the pressure off of those things that you really want to do. And when you take, when you take the pressure off of those things that you, that you really want paradoxically you're also creating the space to allow those things to happen for you or at least increase the likelihood that they will you're just not like like why do the stakes always have to be so high you know what i mean like because i you know i have i'm I'm engaged and my fiance and i she's been with me through a majority of all this which has been really cool uh it's also been really hard sometimes but um a big reason why we didn't like get engaged sooner was like well one we have to mature (laughs) and two um, in my head and something that I, a thing that I had to undo was this thought that like, you know, like I, I can't like, I cannot move forward with my life until my music becomes my breadwinner. Right. And yeah. I put off so much, um, and realizing now that like once I learned, well, okay, I found meditation, right? I found mindfulness meditation that taught me how to stop identifying with everything, detach from all these externals and even thoughts and ideas and just really sit and see what, what stays. And through that, I've, you know, learned to stop identifying with my music career, stop having these expectations of myself and like you just said, by almost like like first I had like my career my, my, like with an iron fist, right? I was just gripping it, didn't want to let it slip. I was holding on t- as tightly as I could because that's what I thought you're supposed to do. And once I began to let go and just kind of like stop caring so much, it actually things got better. You know, my life opened up more, had more time. I had more patience and uh, uh, um, more of a like more room to breathe and I wasn't so stifled by it all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I like that you mentioned like mindfulness meditation Mm. and I know listening to a a couple of your other episodes, you mentioned like a few kind of like time management and kind of self self self-development books that you've read. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like, um, reminds me of, of another thing that I've kind of noticed among my peers in the music world and, 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 and something that, you know, is also kind of one of my missions as I like move forward with my work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think musicians, um, 
uh, a lot of them can be, um, at least in certain certain you know corners of the industry, can kind of adopt this attitude of like being like too cool for personal growth or like oh, <laughs> kind of like um, you know shitting on it for whatever reason. And you know, I was there. T- I was there once too. And mm. and I I think that I think though that like. You know, while it's absolutely true that like the self-help industry and the personal growth industry like has its kind of like uh, hucksters and shady elements and things like that, like practices like mindfulness and and, you know, finding uh, you know, books and, and, and authors and, and, and thinkers in the personal growth space that like resonate with you is like, can, can be incredibly helpful. Like I would not, I would not be like, uh, I would not have the level of like peace that I have today if I didn't like really heavily invest in like my mindset and my personal growth and like adopting good habits and, you know, self-care and living a healthy life. And, um, and I, and I kind of felt like I, 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 I weirdly felt this kind of pressure, like while I kind of started going down this road, I kind of felt embarrassed to talk about it with like a lot of my friends and peers because the attitude toward it is so, um, is, is so negative, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, something, I think you mentioned like I I myself am pretty uh, passionate about you know I guess by conversations like this you know like give, giving showing younger artists the you know something that I wish I would have known when I was younger was like you, like you don't have to starve you don't have to be an alcoholic you don't have to be fucked up in order to get through to people um, and I, I thankfully I never had like a, a, a drug problem or anything like that but I definitely like there was some self-neglect there and a lot of that again too was like just personal you know like family stuff going through and, and having to work out um but one thing I think and I, I really wanted to uh, ask you about this you know whoo in in rock music right and as you said you were involved with the indie rock kind of the indie rock scene there is this yes. like there is this this like underachiever attitude about money and like I mean, I, I, I kind of grew up in the hardcore punk world where it's, you know, it's a little different in that, like, you it's probably not going to pay your bills, you know, uh, maybe. But at the same time, there is just this, like, mentality where it's like, like if you want to do music, you're never going to make money. Get over it. And, you know, that's it. You know, uh, whereas in, like, hip hop and everything, that is, like, the driving factor, you know. And, um... And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a guy on YouTube, Finn McKenty. He talks about this this underachiever attitude amongst like rock musicians. It's like, why, why, why can't money be something that you, you know, like don't be greedy. Like I don't think be, there's a difference between like wanting to give yourself a good life doing something that you love, and then there's a difference between that and then just being like I don't know Robert Kiyosaki and just like greedy asshole or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting, um, thing to bring up. And I, I have several thoughts about it. Um, so the first is that, um, you're totally right first. Um, and, um, uh, before I say anything else, like, I just want to say that, like, you know, there is actually a real underlying systemic issue, um, you know, in the indie rock world, uh, like for, for getting paid, you know, and it's mm-hmm. true in, in, in music at large, but you know, it's a yeah. smaller niche than hip hop, which means that fundamentally there is less money in it than hip hop. Like that's absolutely totally. true overall as an industry. Um, and you know, just like the, the kind of, um, uh, industry ecosystem in other larger genres, the labels can be very exploitative. They give you crappy deals. They take advantage of the fact that musicians really know very little about music business and being business people in general. Mm -hmm. Um, so there is a real systemic issue there, but you are also correct that there is kind of this underachiever attitude. It's kind of, it's kind of enmeshed in the culture and kind of seen like as, almost like a point of pride in a perverse way. Um, mm. maybe even not totally consciously. Um, 
But yeah, there is like, you know, while there is the kind of this exploitative systemic industry issue, like there also are ways for artists of every genre to kind of, um, you know, get creative, find the kind of cracks in the system where they can kind of, you know, um, uh, create uh, innovate, create space. Like there's, uh, like a lot of indie artists would never consider using things like Patreon, for example. Um, it's seen as like uncool. Um, uh, there's, there's this kind of thing attitude about like asking for money from fans and stuff like that. Um, so, so there is kind of this, uh, this allergy to business thinking it's, it's uncool. It's antithetical to being an artist, indie rock artists, in, like in particular, like really see their music more as art than as a product. Yeah. Um, um, which, you know, I don't think personally that you either want to go, you don't want to go too far to one extreme or the other, you know, there's no, like a yeah. sweet spot in the middle, but indie rock is very much on the art side of things, which is cool. It makes great music, but you know, there's not really a market for it. The final thing that I will say is that, um, it's these kind, these two kind of dynamics, they, they kind of like meld together to create this kind of, um, darkly self-fulfilling prophecy where, you know, a lot of the artists that make it really, uh, that make it to the top of, uh, you know, to make it, that make it to the top tier of, of indie, like, are, you know, just to put it bluntly, they're, you know, they've got rich parents or mm-hmm. they have family money to support them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause the mission is still never about like, even at that level, it's not about creating like a financially sustainable business. Like that's yeah. not their goal. Um, and they're just as vulnerable to exploitation by those business interests. And so, you know, the, the people that rise to the top are inevitably people who have other sources of money to rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I can, I can personally attest to this, like every band that I've ever known that's made it to that level has had that in some form or another. That's really interesting. So it's almost like begs the question, well, then, like if if uh, if kid over here with rich parents or who has a trust fund, you know, doesn't have to worry about money and that frees up a lot of his time to to focus on this stuff. Like, you know, like I have we have to work 40 hour weeks, you know, and and do your you know, pay your way. You know, I don't live with my parents. And so I was in a band with a guy who didn't understand that. And he he had to. He was really well off, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, him, and the other dudes in the band didn't have to worry about that stuff, and they're they're fortunate, you know. I'm not, I'm not like shitting on having a good life, you know, but like at the same time, like it almost begs the question: Well, okay, then how do I get there? Right, like not on that level, but like how do I create multiple sources of income, which you know I know you talk about a lot, like, and have all of that funnel kind of into this thing overall umbrella of the career, you know. That's yeah. why, like you know, like towards the beginning of the pandemic, um, that's kind of what lit the fire under my ass to start the podcast. You know, like I'm, I think I'm currently going through that stage where it's like, like okay, like, dude, I'm not getting any younger. You know, I, I want to get married. I want to like move forward with my life, but at the same time, like, I, I've worked too hard on this stuff to give up and to stop doing it. So how do we make it all work? You know, um. Kind of, I kind of feel like uh, you, you spoke about it earlier. Just kind of like in the spot where it's like, what do I even do? You know. Um, but thankfully, um, you know, with technology and like all of the resources that we have, you know, we we, we don't have to have rich parents per se to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I can uh, like give you an example of you know how kind of getting creative um, and. and kind of looking into those, um, tech, I guess, technological solutions, uh, you know, helped me at a, at an early point in my music career. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of had this, this moment where I was like really struggling financially, um, uh, in, in one of the moments where I was really struggling financially, like early in my, um, in my, in my go of things where yeah. I, um, 
had a little bit of a light bulb moment. Like I just, I just stumbled upon, you know, I spend a lot of time on the internet, like probably most people, <laughs> but Not um, the best. <laughs> I, uh, I, I found myself like, um, on this, uh, uh, online marketing website where, you know, somebody was talking about how he made a ton of money selling eBooks and said, you know, I, I like write a ton. That's, that's, I, you know, I, I, I used to write fiction when I was a kid. I, I, I was really like, I I went through a phase where I like wanted to be an author. I've, you know, been, been filling up, you know, a journal every few months, you know, for most of my life. Like I, I, I spend so I, I, I blog a social media, all this stuff. I just, I I love to write. That's, that's something I could do. I love Mm -hmm. to write. That's something I could do. Um, why don't I try that? So I, I spent a little bit of time looking into it, uh, reading up on it. And I, I realized that, you know, it doesn't cost any money to, um, put up an ebook on, uh, Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I, I found all the information about how to format it, how to, um, how to like optimize your title for search engines and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I did a little research and, and looked at it purely from a place of like, okay, what can I write about that people will buy? Because mm-hmm. my goal was to make money. My goal was not to like put out like a beautiful work of fiction. Yeah, so sure, sure. I, I, I found a couple of things that I, that, that I felt like I could write about. Um, I, and like in a period of a few weeks, like I cranked out a couple of short eBooks and I put them on Kindle for a few dollars a piece. And I literally made my first sale within 24 hours. Wow. A, that's cool. A, yeah. Yeah, it was great. And and that really lit the fire under my ass to like write more books. And I, I, I built up a little library of books. And over the course of the year, I made about $30,000 doing that. Um, Damn. And, and I was like 23, 24 and, yeah. you know, was coming from this place of being broke. And, you know, I was getting paid probably like, you know, 20 bucks an hour to pay to like teach a few music lessons a few times a week. And that was my only source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, and that enabled me to like, you know, I was very frugal at the time, like that enabled me to live for like a year and like make music and further my music career. And that was really kind of the first taste that I had of like what the internet like has to offer people who are like willing to kind of get creative and scrappy. Like it cost me nothing except like my sweat equity and elbow grease. And yeah, yeah, I got so much out of it. Did you kind of hit points when you were writing those books where you kind of felt like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, like I'm not like author per se, like, right. But, but you are, you know what I mean? Like if you write a book, you're an author, like, like point blank. But at the same time, was there any, imposter syndrome that may have crept in at that time? Um, yeah, sure. Sure. And especially because like, um, I mean, imposter syndrome is something I've dealt with like pretty much in every area of my life forever. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say it showed up there as well, especially as like, uh, you know, I kind of started to network with a couple of other ebook authors that were a few, like a few notches above me in terms of like, you know, how they were doing. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty intimidating. Um, and I, you know, that definitely brought it up. Um, and I also like, you know, one of the things that I put out, like was a work of fiction that, um, uh, didn't get like the greatest reviews, you know, and that, um, that, that messed with me a little bit too. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like, I think for that instance in particular, I would, I would overall say that like imposter syndrome, like wasn't as big of a thing for me as it has been in other parts of my life, mainly because like my attitude was very much like, I am doing this for money. I am not yeah. doing this to be a great author. And and that kind of saved me a little bit, I think. Got you. Yeah, I think that would probably help uh, get your tra- trajectory like right, you know. Um, yeah. You 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 kind of on, on one of the, something that you posted the other day, I forgot exactly what you said, but you kind of mentioned and you know, like kind of, you know, putting your, your the books on Kindle and like Amazon and stuff like that. It reminded me of this like 
what did you say? Making money and kind of like using capitalism to just give yourself a better life doesn't necessarily mean you're buying into it the way like a, a full blown, you know, shyster capitalist would do it. I'm, I'm, I'm like totally butchering what you said. I'm trying to I think you remember. I think you're getting what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> OK. Could you could you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, a lot of our kind of attitudes around money, um, uh, like uh, there's there's very much this culturally ingrained thing that, you know, um, wanting money is bad because rich people are greedy mm. and rich people are rich people are evil. And, you know, there's there's a there's definitely like some truth to that. But, it, you know, if you're looking at like you know, the bill, the, the billionaires who are kind of fucking everything up right now. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I mean, there are, we are at no shortage of examples of like greedy asshole, like rich people. Um, well <laughs> but, but there are also, you know, it, uh, there are also like good rich people who do good things with their money. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I've met some of them, like they, they exist. So like that it's not entirely true that like, Um, you know, it's not entirely true that all rich people are evil, but there's also like, uh, I think people extrapolate that, that belief about like, you know, rich people being greedy, which is, you know, a a totally valid belief to hold. Um, and there's a lot of evidence for it, but they extrapolate that out to like wanting money is, is evil. And, Mm. and, and, you know, um, capitalism, uh, capitalism is a horrible oppressive system. I, I am, I am fully in that boat. It's, it sucks. It sucks to live under, but like, um, and, and I wish that I, I wish that we didn't live in such a kind of like brutally hyper capitalist society. Mm. Um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, things like Medicare for all and free college and, um, uh, basic income and things like that. Um, but the fact is that we are living in it and Mm -hmm. it's not going to change and it's not going to change tomorrow. You know, we can always, we can always advocate for the change that we want to see. But like the reality is that this is, this is what we are living in now. This is how Mm -hmm. we live now. And, um, you know, we are not in a place to to fight for something better when we're disempowered mm-hmm. um and uh finances are you know one of the big ways that uh that that people are disempowered mm-hmm. poverty keeps people disempowered um believing that you um that you can't or shouldn't have more is 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 disempowering, and so hey, you, there, Cindy, sorry. you know I I, I I like with oh sorry no you're good you're I'm sorry you, you kind of cut out could, could you repeat that I'm sorry I hear you now um yeah so I was saying um sorry <laughs> sorry to throw it that just threw a wrench in it uh, you were saying. Where did it cut off? Basically, that when people are empowered and find, you know, by, you know, or I'm sorry, a lot of people cannot fight that system when they're disempowered. Exactly. Yes, yeah. we are in our best position. We are in the best position to fight for the the fight for a better like world and a better system when we ourselves are in a better place financially. And I mean, that's one of the big reasons why people, you know, that's what big, one of the big reasons why people are afraid to go on strike, why it's so hard to build momentum for things like a general strike, because Mm -hmm. everybody's afraid of losing their jobs, because if they lose their jobs, they lose everything. They lose their health insurance. They lose their, they, they might be one paycheck away from losing their homes. I mean, you can't be an activist unless you, or you can't, you can be an activist, but you, but you are are going to have so much more potential um, to to and, and so much p- more power as an activist if you are in a place where you can do it safely. So you, you know, uh, I I I I think with that in mind, you you do just kind of have to play the game within the limits that you're comfortable with. You know, mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. of the big things for me is like I always try to. Um, I would never feel comfortable like making money doing something that was like, 
um, blatantly unethical, unethical. Mm. Like I could Mm. never go work for, I would never be able to live with myself if I went to work for like a private health insurer. Uh Um, so, you know, I, I, I try to choose the work I do in terms of like, okay, well, what can I do when I had a job? It was okay. What can I do that? Like for money that like causes the least harm, Um, as an entrepreneur, like what can I do in my business that actually helps people and materially improves their lives? You know? So yeah, I, I think you gotta, you just, it's, it's the reality that we live in and you've, you gotta do what you gotta do. And I don't fault anybody for, um, uh, I I don't fault anybody for trying to, trying to do what they want to do. And I think that also, um, that, you know, entrepreneurship in particular, like if you're kind of coming at it from a, a, a noble angle, you know, is a form of, um, activism. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because you can actually, you know, create, you can create a business that sustains you, um, by, uh, you know, changing people's lives basically. Yeah. No, I I like how you kind of call it for what it is. Like, like, yeah, you like, Given the circumstances, given that this is just what we live in, you kind of have to play the game. And I hate it. Like, you know, I hate doing that dance. Um, A big, you know, like my very first episode, I just came out just shooting shots at Spotify and the podcast is on Spotify. You know, like I I, I kind of felt very just like, well, fuck, like I, I don't have the resources to make my own servers and build these. Like, I guess I could make my own website and find a way to upload it through my own channels. Um, But, you know, like. There, there was just like there's the, kind of this been this tug internally for me, you know, kind of being having like the punk rock kind of ethos, and then like also wanting to, you know, not be disempowered because like, you literally can't have influence if you don't have the means to get out to a bunch of people, and typically money helps with that, you know, and um, you know, I I think that it's important for people to know, like kind of like what you said, like this is what we live in right now. You know, why not use it to your advantage? Just because you use it to your advantage doesn't mean you're being unethical. Um, especially for uh, black and brown communities. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, Mex- I'm Mexican, American. You know, I don't speak Spanish. We're like four generations deep. But I, I uh, kind of felt bad, like, because, you know, I, I work for I work for Apple. Right. And that's also a kind of a mind fuck. But. With Apple, we right from the gate they give you a stock purchase plan. Bam, there's a 10% of your check goes to stock. That's been happening for about four years now. So I'm sitting on like a cool little chunk of money, and I was thinking to myself like, damn, am I a hypocrite because I am technically you know involved in the stock market and stuff like that? But I was thinking to myself, well, like no, like my parents never grew up rich. Or I'm sorry, I didn't grow up rich. I, I always saw my parents do well with what they had. But they didn't have excess money to go on vacation. You know, our family didn't have the money to go to family therapy. And maybe we'd be in different spots now. You know, my, my parents, we got divorced and stuff. But maybe that wouldn't have happened if there was more money to have more freedom. And they wouldn't have felt so trapped. So I think about, like, my little little nest egg there. And I'm like, you know what? No, like, I'm going to use that to change the circumstances for my kids and for my community. And I'm, you know, I, I've been like binging finance videos on YouTube and so I've found a, I, I really like it and stuff like that. Um, I was like, I never learned any of this, you know, growing up in Long Beach Unified, like it was a big babysitting s- session. Like these kids didn't give a fuck about learning. Like they had broken homes of their own to go home to. It was just all fucked up. We didn't learn about money, you know? So in that, like you said, um, living in it, use it to change uh, your circumstances so that way you can have a broader effect. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, yeah. Um, so I, I actually have like kind of a similar story. So, um, I am a biracial, uh, African-American woman. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, uh, my dad is black. He grew up, um, uh, he grew up in poverty, um, in a rough neighborhood. Um, yeah. and he, uh, came, uh, he was able to break out of that. Um, he was, uh, you know, an academically gifted student and he ended up, um, getting into, uh, getting into school, um, and becoming a doctor. So, 
Yeah. So I had a, uh, a very different upbringing than my father. Um, you know, we moved out, uh, we, we, we lived in the suburbs. Um, I, I basically like grew up thinking I was white until <laughs> I was like, you know, probably in high school when it, it, it kind of started to like seep into my life a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just, just worlds away. And, you know, my, my dad had all sorts of, um, you know, trauma from, from, from his kind of rough, um, uh, his, his existence in a rough neighborhood, being raised in poverty by a single mother, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and same deal. Like, you know, a lot of that trauma was financial and, um, he also, you know, was never equipped with the skills, um, or knowledge needed to make good decisions with his money. So while he was very financially successful as a doctor, he was really horrible with his money and we suffered a lot for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, basically it's, it's kind of culminated in a situation where, you know, although he is something of a workaholic, um, and I don't think that he would ever fully retire on his own. He also doesn't really have a choice. Like he Mm kind of needs to keep working into his old age. Um, and, uh, and it, it, it was really, you know, it, uh, part of my thing here, you know, I, I had kind of some generational financial trauma inflicted on myself in, in my upbringing and, and seeing that, seeing, seeing, seeing that and feeling the effects of it, um, really solidified my, uh, kind of mission to have a better relationship with money than yeah. my dad and to um, provide better for any children that I might have. Um, and and I made it my mission to be someone who was good with money. And uh, you know, I've also had those ethical considerations around having in the stock having money in the stock market, which I also do now. And uh, you know, I, 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 to that point, like, um, you know, I don't know if you've been following the saga with uh, the GameStop stock. Yeah, yeah, it's, but that's a kerfuffle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a kerfuffle. But you know, it it it's um, uh, it 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 has also kind of shown me how you know, um, even even investment can be activism in some ways. Yeah, you know? no, that was cool. That that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, yes, there, there are considerations, you know, I'm an index fund investor. My money is spread across a lot of different, um, uh, in, in tiny pieces across like pretty much the entire stock market. And I always think, well, you know, it would be really nice to like, you know, invest in some index funds that maybe don't put their money into oil, but they Mm. don't exist yet. And, and it's like, but you know, I would also really like to be able to live my life without a car, but that's not possible. Um, where I live here in Calabasas, California, like, it's like, you know, I, 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 I do what I can within the within the confines of you know what allows me to live like a sane and stable life mm-hmm. um so yeah i i'm yeah. I, I sorry I, I i went off on a little tangent there no, it's okay, but, it's okay. but yeah nice. <laughs> i um i i i i just i i see it from a similar perspective as you that you know i'm i'm kind of like in this to above all else to kind of, you know, heal some generational trauma very, in my, and yeah. Very, very well put, you know, my parents were, were really good, uh, with, with what they had, you know, like, um, they always saved really well, prioritized really well. We never went without, it was pretty amazing how it was one income too. My dad was, uh, the, the, the breadwinner of the family and my mom was stay at home mom raised four kids, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot to the juggle, you know? So thinking to myself like they did well with what they had uh, i wish we could have afforded to you know like i said go to therapy and, and keep our family health overall better um so like you said you know i think it's just going to be generation by generation healing those wounds but it's got to be a conscious effort you know yeah and um that's real cool um you know i don't i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i do want to know you know like what in general you know, I know, I know you coach people professionally 
And there's a lot that you go kind of in depth with, I'm sure, with your clients. But for people who, you know, may be at a point in their career where they're confused on what's next, you know, or they're maybe stuck, or even just in general, if you were to tell your younger self a piece of advice, you know, what would you say to yourself? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I would say... Uh, you know, it, it kind of just to rehash a couple of the points that we've touched on here, you know, the, the big things would be, you know, don't, don't do anything too extreme. Don't mm. go to the extreme opposite end of the spectrum, get creative, um, really look for those places of opportunity where you can, um, where, where you can, um, you know, create something new, maybe, maybe something innovative, uh, do some research. Like what else are you interested in? Like what else are you as a person interested in? Um, read up on it and try to figure out, well, how can you marry that with, um, with, you know, what you do now? Yeah. Um, I think there, there is a lot of, there's, there's just a lot of space for innovation right now. There's a lot of space for, um, you know, all different types of new businesses and business models. Um, and there's, there's really just a, there's a niche for almost anything. And with a little research and elbow grease, the information is out there. Um, you can work with a coach, but, um, and, and working with a coach is great if you want like actual guidance, but all the information that you need to get started is out there for free. Cool. It's cool that you say it that way too, as a coach, you know, like that's, that's, I, I believe that. And so, um, what was I going to say? I think, uh, just so, just so you know, honestly, Cindy, like a lot of the stuff you've said and a lot of the things we've talked about, um, are very central to why I started this freaking podcast, you know? And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to know that there's some like-minded people out there who have walked the walk and know that they're okay. There's something's wrong and let, let's do something about it, you know? Um, I, after this, after this, I'll probably just pick your brain on things in general. <laughs> you might get like random emails from me or whatever, Of course. but uh, I, I really appreciate the things you had to say. I think it's important, um, that, you know, I think the real change starts with conversation after conversation that, that co- it's, it's ideas, you know, it's exchanging ideas and, uh, those are, those are powerful things. Um, where, where can, where can the people find you at? You know, uh, what, what? What can, what do they, uh, where do they go, you know, to find, to find Sydney? Yeah. So currently I am, um, most visible and active on my business Instagram, which is Cindy Gooden on underscore C I N D Y G O O D E N underscore. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're curious about, about my, my long defunct music project, you can find, uh, you can just, uh, type very fresh into Spotify or Google and see what That's comes what's up. Called very fresh. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, well, shit is, is there, is there a very fresh song you want me to put at the end of the show? Oh yeah. 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 You should, um, you should play my song clean touch. Clean touch. Okay. Um, that was, that was, you were the singer of the band, right? Yeah, yeah, it was uh sing I sang and I played bass and wrote all the songs. Cool. Are you are you going to be doing any more of that? Like, you know, post pandemic whenever that I th- happens. I think so. Yeah. So, I've actually been kind of casually consulting with this band that I um that I like scouted on Bandcamp. Um yeah. they're called Rinks R I N C S. They're mm-hmm. really awesome and I kind of agreed to play bass uh, in their band. So hopefully I'll just, yeah, hopefully I'll just be gigging a little bit, but actually like as a part of this, like, um, as a part of my business, um, you know, as a coach, like a lot of what you do is, or a lot of what you kind of have to do is like practice what you preach, Mm -hmm, you know, and, and, and live, be a living example of like what you're telling your clients to do. So, um, I've actually like, have it kind of on my plan a little bit further down the road to like 
reboot my music project, um, and, yeah. and, and dedicate like, you know, not a ton of time, like 10, 10, 15 hours a week to it. And, and just kind of use that as a vehicle to show people, you know, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a 33 year old, uh, soon to be married woman. And the industry mm-hmm. tells you that people like me, like have, you know, no shot at, building a fan base or anything like that. But, you know, yeah. I, I want to be out there doing that to, to show that I want to use it to show people, you know, effective ways to market their music, um, yeah. uh, in a DIY way. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that that will be coming back. I it's, it's pretty much an, an integral part of my business plan to bring it back. That's real cool. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably see you out there. I'm, I'm sure paths will cross you, you cross paths with everybody at some point uh, as far as music is music is concerned. Um, what was I going to say? Like, especially here in LA playing, you know, little venues and whatnot. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The, Oh my God. I totally am blanking right now. <laughs> Take your time. What? This. Yeah. I try to write things down as I'm going, but, um, I can't, I don't know if you're familiar. Okay, I, I like I like uh, uh, a lot of like gangster rap from the West Coast and stuff. There's a two short song. Uh, he talks. About, it's called Just Another Day, uh, but he talks about like this day where like you know he basically he's just making money. Like he goes to the studio, blah 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 blah, uh, doing the things that he likes to do that he loves, and he's making money doing it. I think that's a great like. I think what you're doing honestly is, is a cool example of that. You know, like you said, you're doing these coaching things, self-employed. Uh, you're going to get the band back. I'm sure you'll find a way to, to throw that into your revenue streams. Just in general, it kind of just becomes this gear that starts turning and turning and it just rolls by itself at a certain point. So yeah. that's inspiring me to keep doing what I'm doing, honestly. Um, and in general, I, I don't know. I'm a fan, so keep it up um, in general. But yeah, thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah. Thank you. I love what you're doing on your podcast and it is really cool to, you know, already be in touch with a like-minded person. So cool. Well, maybe we can exchange more ideas and, uh, in the future. I don't know. Absolutely. Anyways, have a good day. Thanks. Um, You too. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk soon. All right. Later. All right. Later. Sitting in the cold room
sipping on some cold brew, sitting in the cold room, sipping on some cold